Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This is Palm Sunday, so we are going to talk about uh, what happened on, on Palm Sunday, what it means to us today. We're in a series simply entitled, His Name is Jesus. And today it's going to reveal to us a little bit more about the life that Jesus lived and what that means to us today. Luke chapter 19 is our text for today. You can follow along with me on the screen. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethpage and Bethany called, uh, in the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying this colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will crowd. Father, we love you, and we just thank you for the opportunity to be together in your house and lift up your name. And I pray this morning that, Lord, you'll do what only you can do, anoint this speaker to preach the word of God, the words of God alone. Anoint our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us. Father, we know that your word needs no help. It needs no anointing. It is God-inspired, God-breathed. But, Father, we need your help this morning. So make up the difference and be the difference in this place today and in my life and the lives of these people Everyone said amen. So this is a huge transition moment. Honestly, growing up in church, this time of year, every year, we would usually have some sort of Easter celebration going on. We would tell some story, some part of of the Easter story, Palm Sunday, and we would sometimes we would even reenact this moment. We'd have people, you know, waving the palm branches, and we would have, you know, someone dressed up as Jesus come down the aisle and shout, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And and as a kid, I really never understood the significance of what is going on in this moment. But friends, as we just read the scripture, I want to tell you, this is a huge, huge, uh, monumental, climatic moment in the story of Jesus. There's a lot of things uh, in this passage where Jesus completely turns the page on how he operates and what he's doing. As a matter of fact, if you'll study the life of Jesus, you'll discover that up till Palm Sunday, almost any time anyone would say, hey, you're Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're the Lord, you're the one in charge, you're the one we've hoped for, you're the one we waited and wanted to see. Anytime that happened, Jesus would often say, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't mention to anyone else who I am. As a matter of fact, in in Mark chapter 8, there's a moment where Jesus asked the question to his disciples, who do people say that I am? 
You remember the response? Oh, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Come back from the dead. And Jesus said, but well, who do you say that I am? Remember that? And Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ. You're the Lord. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but this has been told to you by my Father. And then he followed up this revelation moment in the lives of these disciples with this instruction. Now tell no one. Isn't that kind of opposite of everything you've ever been taught in church? I mean, the moment you got saved, the moment Jesus changed your life, didn't someone tell you, now take what God has done in you and go tell someone else, right? But here's Jesus working miracles. Most of his ministry, he's working miracles, and then the instructions he gives them is, don't tell anybody. He kept his divinity sort of a, um, sort of a secret. He kept it out of the spotlight in a lot of ways. But here, Jesus goes from keeping his identity private to going public. This is a moment where he doesn't try to hide anything. This is a moment where he is with what he's saying, with what he's doing, with the actions of his life, even the way he enters his town. Everything about what Jesus is doing in this moment is proclaiming that I am the Lord. I am the Messiah. I am here. I am God incarnate. I am the one you've been waiting for and looking for, and he's here to receive people's worship. And just like, you know, for, for years Jesus has been getting in trouble keeping his identity a secret, and now he goes public and he gets in trouble again. Right? The Pharisees say, hey, don't you hear what these people are saying about you? Don't you hear that they're, they're saying you're the Messiah, you're the King, you're the Lord? And all of a sudden they say, tell, tell, tell these guys to stop saying that. Tell them to stop worshiping you. You know why they said that? Because the moment people, the crowd started worshiping Jesus, their own insecurities began to be highlighted. All of a sudden they realized their, their little kingdom was being threatened. Can I tell you there's something that happens today when you worship God? Someone else's kingdom gets threatened. His name is Satan. He's the evil one. He's the, he's the one who is in opposition to your life and your soul. And every time you begin to worship Jesus and declare that he's the king, he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, in that same moment the enemy knows that he is losing his grip on your life. He's losing his place of lordship in your life. Every time you lift up the name of Jesus, in that moment you lift up his name, you're defeating the name of the enemy. Friends, on Palm Sunday, the devil began to find out that Jesus was the king of kings and that he was about to be the enemy was about to be diminished this morning i'm preaching a message i guess i should have started with the title the title of the message is simply this make way for the king that's what palm sunday was about they began making way for the king that's why they were waving the palm branches. That was how you would welcome royalty into the neighborhood, into the kingdom, was you would welcome them by waving palm branches. When they did that, they were saying, you are the king. They were making way for the king. In Luke's gospel, I believe it is, it says that not only were they waving palm branches, they would actually, they would begin to take their cloaks off and lay them on the ground and let this colt walk over. You know, in our society, we put out the red carpet. In their culture, if you really want to honor someone, the red carpet is not just out of something you get out of a closet. It's out of the clothes you're wearing. 
And I don't know about you this morning, when I got up to come to church, I began to ask myself this question. How dirty will I get today? Do you ever ask yourself, how dirty am I going to get today? And then you choose out your clothes, depending on how dirty you plan on getting that day? No, just me? Okay. That's how I work. You know? Uh, and and so, so today, I didn't plan on getting dirty, so I wore my nice clothes. But people in Jesus' day, many of these people, that they're, they're laying their jackets down, they're, they're laying their, their cloaks down so this, this cult can walk on them, so they can be trampled on. Most of these guys, they don't, have, like, they don't have Sunday clothes and work clothes. They just got clothes. They got one set. But yet they're laying down everything about them. They say, you know what, the appearance of Jesus is more important than my appearance. Making him known is more, better than, is more important than my pride. They were making way for the king with everything about them. The day's question is this, are you making way for the king? In your life. Are we making way for him? In this account, there were some making room for the king. And there were others making excuses. Some were making room by waving palm branches and shouting worship and praise. Some were laying down their very goods, their very selves before the Lord in worship. But others were making excuses of why he shouldn't be worshipped. I don't know about you, but that sounds like 2022 to me. There's still people making way, and there's still people making excuses. And let me just ask you, which one are you doing today? I know that's pretty much in your face right up front, but are we better at making way for the king, or are we better at making excuses for why we're not worshiping the king? How, how, how do we worship, how do we make room for the king? Is a question I want to answer three different ways from this passage this morning. Number one, you make room for the king by declaring that Jesus is the Lord. Would you say this phrase with me this morning? Jesus is Lord. Let's say it again. Jesus is Lord. That terminology sounds so churchy that I'm not sure if we understand the effects of that declaration. I'm really not sure if we understand exactly what we're saying when we say Jesus is Lord. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's no one else that I call Lord. I don't even use that phrase outside of church in dealing with God. But the term Lord simply meant this. It still does, by the way. Authority, majesty, and divinity. So when people were shouting that Jesus is the king, and he is the Lord. They were saying he is the divine one. He's the one sent from God. He's the one that has all authority over everything. The, the, the winds and the waves obey him, right? People are healed in front of him. That's what they were declaring when they said, you are the Lord. And when Jesus preaches and when he's teaching, you know, did you know that Romans chapter 10 actually says if we're going to be a Christ follower we have to acknowledge him as our Lord, right? For, with, for in your heart, you've got to believe that God raised him from the dead. And with your mouth, you've got to declare that Jesus is awesome. No. That Jesus is our Savior. No. Jesus is our Redeemer. Mm-mm. Jesus is our Forgiver. All those are true. But here's what you've got to profess. If you're going to be... A f- a recipient of salvation, you've got to decide that Jesus is Lord. I've discovered that a lot of people are comfortable 
with Jesus being their Savior and their Redeemer, but they really don't like Him to be their Lord. Because Lord means He's in charge and you're not in charge. Lord means my life is about what He wants done, not what I want done. Let me ask you, how do you how do, how's your prayer life? I know I'm getting kind of preachy this morning in your business, but are most of your prayers telling Jesus what you need to help do, what he needs to do for you, are asking Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Because that's what the Lordship is about. It's about his agenda, not my agenda. So when they said, Jesus, you are Lord, they were saying, you're the king. And if we're going to make way for the king, we declare that he's the Lord, and that's not us. We've got to proclaim it with our mouth, and that seems like such a basic way to start. But that's how Jesus starts. He comes down the hill, or he comes into Jerusalem, and the first bit of instructions, he, he, he changes his vocabulary a little bit. He tells the disciples, I want you to go to town. You're going to find the colt. It's going to be tied up. No one's ever set up on it. I want you to get it. And if someone asks you, why are you taking this colt, just tell them, the Lord needs it. In that moment, the Jesus who'd been telling, don't tell anyone I'm the Lord, that Jesus identifies himself. He says, tell them the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. It starts with his mouth. It starts with how, how he describes himself. And today, our, our acknowledgement of making room for the king, it's got to start with our mouth declaring he is Lord. Number two, we declare he's Lord with our actions. He said, go to the village, and you're going to find the colt, untie it, bring it to me. You know, this whole, this whole activity is not just Jesus showing off. It's not just him showing that he knows what's coming. He knows there's going to be a colt there. He knows it's going to be tied up. He knows that the colt is tied there. It's never been written on. I want you to go and find that one. If someone asks you, tell the Lord needs it, and he'll let you go. There's going to be no problem. He's not, he's not prophesying all this stuff, speaking all this stuff just to show up. To show off his foreknowledge? No, he's doing it because in Zechariah chapter 9, it says that he's going to make his triumphant entry while riding a lowly animal, a symbol of peace. Which in those days, if someone came wanting to make war, they would ride a horse. But if they came in wanting to make peace, they'd ride a colt. So Jesus is telling those disciples, listen, go to town do this. He's sending a signal. Everything he's doing, I just got to believe that the Jesus who's been staying under the radar for the last two or three years in the flesh probably doesn't really want a parade. Now, I've, just, I've read just enough about Jesus to understand that he didn't go around seeking a parade. He never sought attention. Crowds would chase after him. As a matter of fact, there's a little bit of text that could show that, that Jesus had to strategically avoid crowds. Several of the miracles that happened in Jesus' ministry were happening while he was trying to escape the crowd. But here's Jesus. He's not trying to escape the crowd. He is setting himself up for a parade to enter Jerusalem, not because he wants the attention, but because he wants to fulfill the word of God. And that's how you make room for the king. As you say, it's not really about what I want in the flesh. It's about, am I fulfilling the word of God? And then we declare his lordship, not just with our words, not just with our actions, but we declare it with our worship. As they begin, enter, begin to enter the city, people were worshiping him. They said, I want you to go. I want you to find a colt. 
on which no one's ever ridden. Have you ever wondered why did he want a fresh colt? Why did it matter that no one had ever ridden this colt? One scholar said it's because when Jesus, when you really make him the Lord, he doesn't share his seat of authority with anybody. He's either the Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. It's amazing how many people want to ride side saddle with Jesus. I want my agenda sitting next to his agenda. But when he's the Lord, it's not about our agenda. It's not about what we want or what we choose or what we would rather. It's about what does he want done in our lives. Our, wor- our life is about a, it's a worship song to him. It's, Lord, what do you want to do? What brings you glory? What brings you honor? When Jesus comes down, the triumphant entry is not about him. It's about him fulfilling the word of God. And so must our lives be. It's about him. It's about him. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, Lord, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to stop worshiping you. But Jesus said, if I tell them to be quiet, even the stones will cry out. I don't know about you, but I don't want a stone to take my place. Amen? I want to be in line with recognizing. I want to be in line with making room for who God is in my life. And I do that by declaring he's Lord. Number two. I do it by believing that he delivers his word always. Megan always spell checks my sermons for me, and she was looking over this point, and she didn't like this point. She said I needed to have the word always in the middle and not at the end of that sentence. But luckily, we'd already printed them, and I wanted that word always. (laughs) I wanted the word always at the end because I wanted to stick out to you. That God keeps his word always. When Jesus tells these disciples to enter the village, you're going to find this colt tied. Go and loose him. Bring him to me. If anyone asks you, tell him the Lord needs him. You know that is equivalent in our day to grand theft auto. That's what it... It, it, it would be like me telling, telling Thomas, Thomas, hey, would you run down to Harps? There's going to be a brand new pickup right next to the buggy aisle down there. The keys will be in it. Go down there, get it, and bring it back. And if the police stop you, just tell them, Jesus said so. <laughs> and good luck with that. Right? I mean, his dad said, don't listen to him. Um, (laughs) So these guys, they go. I mean, they go down, and and there's some people that think, well, you know, I'm sure Jesus already had it prearranged. He had already, you know, he'd already called someone on the cell phone ahead and told them just to. But I mean, why would Jesus add all this mystery? Why didn't he, if Jesus had prearranged all this, why wouldn't he just say, hey, go down to Billy's house. He's got an extra coat. He's tied it up for me. Why, why would, why, why, you know, Jesus isn't very, he often doesn't make hard stuff or easy stuff hard. He's usually making hard stuff simple. So I don't think he just made this up. I think it's all, he's supernatural providing for what is happening here. 
And so they go down and they find the colt exactly where it was. And someone asks them, and they said, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. And they miraculously release them to take the colt to Jesus. And the Bible says when they begin to come down the road near the Mount of Olives, that people began shouting and worshiping Jesus, laying their clothes on, on the ground for, for, the, for the cult to walk on, waving palm branches, worshiping Jesus. And here's what the Word says. They're worship him, worshiping Him for all the miracles and wonderful things they had seen and heard Him do. And I just got to believe those disciples were like leading the pack. We did not get arrested. We did not go to jail. We obeyed him, and he, he kept his word as always. Jesus always kept his word. I mean, you just got to wonder, did, did Peter say, this is kind of like that time we need a temple tax, and, and Jesus told us to go, find, go, find, go fishing and get a coin out of the fish's mouth? Yeah, that's what Jesus did. And they began to tell time after time, hey, remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Hey, remember when, when Jairus' daughter was thought too far gone? Hey, remember when he healed that lame person? He healed that blind person? Remember that time those who were lepers were, came when they were cleansed? And they began to shout and praise Jesus for all the things that they'd seen and done. And John says it like this, that if you took all the things that Jesus had said and everything he had done, John says that the the whole world could not contain the scroll big enough. And here they are. They're proclaiming all these things as Jesus makes his way down. Because he always provides. He always provides. And third this morning, they acknowledged that Jesus was their hope. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The people were shouting because they were convinced this moment of Jesus entering Jerusalem was actually Jesus entering and bringing with him a new kingdom. They were hope-filled. As a matter of fact, the phrase they're singing and proclaiming Glory to God in the highest. It's the exact same phrase that they were singing at the first Christmas when the angels showed up. It's the same phrase they're, they're, they're rehearsing on that night. They're singing again as Jesus comes down the road. Why? Because they have hope. They're filled with hope that a new kingdom is coming. And Jesus lets them shout. He lets them praise because he is the new kingdom that is coming. He is coming in to usher in something like the world has never seen. He was filled with hope. He was the deliverer of hope. And here's the thing, Megan, if you want to come. You and I can be a worshiper with hope today. Because just as Jesus entered that city, did you know Jesus is going to enter our city? Just as Jesus entered their world, the Bible says that Jesus will once again enter our world. The first time he entered, it was on a colt. But the next time he enters, he said it's going to be on a white horse. You know, Revelation chapter 19 says this. I saw heaven hope opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. 
and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except for himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and, in, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he shall strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on a robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Do you know why Jesus let them, amen, give the Lord a hand clap. You know why Jesus let them worship him? As he entered the city, because even though he was lowly and riding on a colt, he was still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate the crucifixion and the resurrection. But we've got to remember, he was never a victim in any of that. Spiritually speaking, Jesus could have picked up his cloak that day and on his thigh they would have seen King of Kings Lord of Lords nothing he went through changed his identity the question was simply this for that crowd that day there was some of them that was making way for the king and others making excuses what are we going to do this Easter season are we going to make way? Are we going to make room? Are we going to make excuses? Are we going to respond to what he says? I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning as we close this direction this way. You're in the room this morning, and perhaps you say, you know, Pastor, with my life, I have not been making room for the king. Perhaps you've just been busy making excuses. You thought, well, someday later, I'll give my life to Christ. Someday later, I'll get things right for Him. Someday later, I'll do what He's speaking to my heart to do. But your life has been making excuses instead of making room. And today, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you, saying this is your day to move from making excuses to making room for Him. How do I do that? First step, we said it this morning, was you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Today, you say, Pastor, I need to do that. I'm not right with God, but today... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make any more excuses. I'm going to make way for Him in my life. And you sense the Spirit of God leading you that way. Would you just lift a hand real quick? That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I'm making that decision today. I need to give my life to Christ. Amen. Secondly today, church family, I want to ask you, what's your, what's your worship been like? What's your life been like? Have you been living for Him or living for yourself? This, this past week, I was preparing for this message, and when the Lord just kind of sent me that, gave me that picture, that mental picture, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, too many people are trying to ride side settle with the Lord. They're trying to, they're trying to co-pilot their life. I've seen on people's bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot. If that is true, then you're in the wrong seat. God, is, He didn't come to be your co-pilot. He came to be your Lord. He came to be your leader. 
Your Savior, yes. Your Redeemer, yes. Restore, yes. But most of all, He came to be your Lord because when we really get a good glimpse of our life, we understand we need Him. And our own works is not enough. So in this closing prayer today, I want to pray for those in this room who say, you know, Pastor, I've been, I've been keeping my hands on the wheel too much. I've been trying to lead Jesus my direction instead of allowing Him to lead me His direction. And today the Lord is challenging some of you to let go, as the Spirit of God spoke earlier in the service, to let go of what's in your hand. Let go of your control. Let go of your excuses. Let go of your opinions. And let Him, let Him drive your life today. So Father, I pray today for those who've just been, or they've been trying to steer you their direction instead of allowing you to move them your direction. God, today we just repent of that. We repent of that today. We say, Lord, forgive us. We let go of that direction today. We let go of that way of thinking, that way of operation. And today we just say, Lord, you lead us. You guide us. You direct us. And Father, in every way possible, we want to make room for you. We want to make room for you in our life, with our worship, how we live, how we speak, what we do. We want to make room for you in our home. God, we want to make room for you in our businesses and everything we put our hands to. We want to make room for you to lead us and guide us and direct us because you're the one that came for us. We want to make room for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? Amen. We love you, Lord. Hey, God bless you for worshiping with us today. I want to challenge you this week. Be here Easter Sunday. Bring someone with you. And every day, make room for the Lord. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.